This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to BIEB 152. This is a lecture number two. Okay, so each lecture, uh, I want to start by taking the temperature of the epidemic. So this is where I go over a few slides uh, updating you on how it's proceeding, whether or not our interventions are working, whether or not um, there's hopeful news or maybe bad news. Um, and so we'll do that and then we'll move on to the actual course content. Okay. Um, I wasn't going to, this is an update of the data that I showed you last time. I wasn't going to show this because it's just going to look more of the same. Um, you know, this phylogeny here, this evolutionary relationship of SARS-CoV-2 um, is going to probably remain very robust. There's so much data that's put into this phylogeny that I don't, I don't anticipate that the patterns will change much. And certainly the patterns to the right of the spread of the disease around the world, um, you know, it's spread, it's everywhere. Now it's, it's sort of um, mounting uh, endemic infections in, in each of the countries. Um, but I did want to go back to this data um, because I got an email asking about this, uh, this idea that um, UCSD, it appears, hasn't been hit as hard as other places. Um, and people are wondering that they had a really bad cold in the fall. And was that actually some sort of uh, precursor to the current strain of SARS? And did that give them immunity to SARS-CoV-2? Um, and I want to say that I, I, I don't believe in that, that theory um, in that it, it is hopeful that this idea that maybe somehow in San Diego we were pre-exposed um, to this pathogen and, and we've developed immunity. Um, and why I'm worried about that kind of thinking spreading is it's good to be hopeful, but not so hopeful that we begin to influence our own behaviors and stop doing things like social distancing. And so the reason why I don't think that that theory holds is this data here. And so if you see on this um, x-axis here, this is, um, these are dates in which certain strains were isolated um, and sequenced, and then they're using um, evolutionary biology and phylogenetic reconstruction to be able to predict um, when the strain probably emerged from bats to humans. Uh, and it certainly, emerged or all of the data suggests that emer emerged in early December um, and that was in Wuhan so it was con confined to a you know region of the world um, and then from there it spread out uh, and we have so much data now that suggests that, that I just don't think that um, that's that's actually going to change so um, there's also you know a lot of theories about um, you know did, was this in Italy first no, the data does not suggest that. Other theories are that this was a lab strain. Um, the data we'll look at later uh, in this lecture and later in the course suggests that this is certainly not a lab strain, um, that this looks like a natural variant that's very similar to uh, variants that we've seen in bats um, and sampled you know, a couple years ago. So it's not a lab strain. It, it, it emerged in Wuhan and spread around the world after that. Okay, I'm gonna keep moving. So this is more about checking the temperature of what's going on. Um, so uh, this, is, this is a plot that I showed you last time, and I, I had 
fit this, uh, this little curve here, optimistically hoping, hoping that we are no longer in the exponential increase uh, phase of spread within the United States. Um, but when we look at the, sorry, I have to move the window. Um, when we look at the, the data from yes, uh, two days ago and from today, uh, we find that you know, my, my fit to the curve was overly optimistic. Um, the rate of increase of the spread within the United States is still increasing. Um, it, is, it does appear to be slowing down, but of course, just a few data points don't, um, don't really make a trend. Um, we have to see more, more data and see how this unfolds. Uh, certainly the CDC uh, is predicting that in the next couple weeks uh, nationwide, that's when it's gonna be the worst for the United States. But remember, we are states and we all have different behaviors in each state, um, in different economies and different uh, cultures. And so um, in different times in which we got the disease. And so it's probably a state by state basis in which you're gonna see this sort of peak um, and then hopefully dropping back down. Uh, it looks like that is what happened already in Washington. Uh, I would say that New York is probably at the peak stage now and will be uh, dropping. And then in the, in the future, it'll sort of cycle through other states as well. Uh, so remember to, to remain social distancing. It's the best um, thing that we can do right now. Okay, and I showed you this confusing plot last time and I wasn't gonna show it again because you know these lines are all over the place. That y-axis is complicated. Um, that y-axis, I will explain the math behind it in three lectures when we talk about natural selection and I go over exponential growth. Um, for now, just know that higher values are bad, lower values are good, um, and that if you have a flat line in this graph, that means that you're still in exponential expansion of the, of the disease. Um, and so what's kind of good news for the world is that in all of these different countries, the trajectory is downwards rather than flat. And that means that um, uh, they're leaving the exponential expansion phase of the disease um, and it's hopefully grinding, to, grinding down um, and won't be as big of a problem in the near future. Uh, but the U.S., you can see, is, is kind of all over the place. Um, this is because we're a giant country and there's probably different kinds of dynamics happening within each state. And so it's hard to just look at this sort of combined data. But it also reminds us, and our, we're barely deviating at all from exponential growth. And so it reminds us that we have to remain uh, vigilant on social distancing and other practices. The CDC is contemplating using masks face masks now for the general public as a precaution and as a, a way to um, uh, limit the spread. And um, I would say don't use masks that uh, are the ones that should be used in the hospital. We should give them to the, the people in the hospital. Um, but there are lots of ways to uh, make your own mask at home that are relatively effective. Um, and so I, I do suggest doing that. I haven't actually worn a mask outside yet, but. I think we should sort of break the break the um, the kind of social barrier and accepted acceptability of wearing masks in the United States, and, and and maybe start doing that. Okay, and this is data that I uh, showed last time, but this is an update on it. And what we can see here is that this is the the you know this um, temperature da data uh, from the smart um, uh, thermometers that are spread throughout the United States uh, by Kinza Healthcare. Um, and here are some plots and they just show that um, 
COVID-19 was causing these atypical patterns. Um, and now that once we started social distancing, now we've actually dropped below what, um, what they expected would be the normal level of sick people based on temperature across the United States. So social distancing is having a real effect. This is the data that shows it. Um, and so we just need to keep on social distancing. Okay, so let's keep moving forward. Um, so, uh, you know, the other data I showed is kind of bad data. It seems that we're still in the exponential expansion phase in the United States, um, in most of the states. Um, but so I wanted to share some good information, and this is a little bit old uh, compared to a lot of the information that I've been sharing. Um, but basically, the NIH has started a clinical trial uh, of a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, all over the world, people are coming together to develop these vaccines. There's trials either starting or have started in other countries in the world. Um, but this is very promising, and hopefully um, we can have a vaccine and, and just sort of forget about uh, SARS-CoV-2. Um, I have this picture here. That's just a, a model of the, the virus itself. And then it has these red protrusions, and that's this, um, this, um, uh, this structure, this protein here are those red protrusions. That's the S protein, that's the host recognition protein. Um, and uh, this is highlighted because this is likely the feature that they're using to, um, to put in the vaccine to elicit uh, immuno immunological response uh, from our own bodies uh, to, vac to, to become immune from this, this viral particle. Um, the, the vaccine is being carried out by uh, this collaborative effort, which is amazing. I, I can't even imagine putting all of these pieces together, uh, but you have Kaiser Healthcare, they have hospitals in all over the West Coast especially, but um, in Washington uh, where they're doing this clinical trial, um, you have the NIH um, through one of their, the NIAID um, funding the science and also scientists that are associated with them doing the research. Uh, you have Modera, which is a uh, company in Massachusetts and Cambridge, um, and they're, they're helping the development with their scientists. And then you have this um, Coalition for Epidemic uh, Preparedness Innovations in Norway that's actually manufacturing some of the, the, uh, the um, uh, uh, sorry, the, the vaccine. Um, so it is, it's a collaborative effort, but I have to say that it's more than just um, this one group and this one collaboration. In the New York Times, uh, just yesterday, they're pointing out that scientists are working together across the world, whether they're in the public sector, like I am, or in the private sector at um, uh, places like Mo Moderna. Um, they, uh, they're working together, sharing data, and it's just, it's a great thing. Um, there was news that Trump tried to buy, buy a, or get a, um, a company from Germany to move over here so that we would have the rights, I guess, to the, the, um, uh, to the vaccine, or maybe not the rights, but control over the vaccine. Um, and China also proposed the same, a similar kind of deal with another company in, in Germany. Um, and so it seems that our politicians are sort of going to fight over this vaccine, but at least the, the scientists are not engaged in that. Um, so 
hopefully there'll be enough for everybody and, and we'll get over this soon. What's the timeline for vaccine testing? At least a year. So it's gonna take a long time. We have to continue social distancing and, and other practices. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.